what I believe was the title of two separate essays by the philosopher Bertrand Russell and the novelist E.M. Forster in the early 20th century. These two humanist activists set out their approach to life, their fundamental worldview, in a way that was accessible to all. I'm Andrew Copson, Chief Exec of Humanists UK, and in this podcast I'm talking to humanists today about what they believe, to understand more about the values, convictions and opinions they live by. Isaac Hempstead Wright is an actor and fledgling scientist. He's probably best known for his role as Bran Stark in the popular series Game of Thrones. Appearing in all but one of its seasons, he's among a handful of actors who remained on the show over its nine years of production. In 2019, he returned to university to study for a degree in neuroscience at University College London, intending to continue to act alongside his studies. And most importantly, of course, he's a current patron of Humanists UK. Isaac, thank you for joining us on What I Believe. Thank you for having me. Now, you're studying science at the moment, um, specifically neuroscience. What was it that made you choose science? Well, I, I think from a young age, I've, I've always just been interested in, in approaches to, to trying to understand what on earth is going on, really. And, and I've always been interested in, in topics like philosophy and, and, and thinking. And, and to me, in the current age we're in a natural extension to that was to, to study neuroscience um, because I, I can't think of anything more fundamental really to, to understanding you know what reality is than, than to try to understand the organ through which all of reality has ever been perceived or you know all of written history has come through a brain so it, it to me it, it's sort of the natural um, progression of, of trying to to understand what's going on and and, uh, and a, an excellent scientific toolkit for answering the, the big questions. That's an interesting approach to science. That's a very humane approach to science because rather than you, some people who are interested in studying science, you might ask them the question that I asked you and they might say, you know, I want to find out, you know, the truth about stars or atoms. And they might say they give the same initial answer that you did and say they want to find out about reality and therefore they want to find out about the stars. But you're saying there that you want to find out about reality and therefore you want to find out about the organ through which reality has been created and perceived. That's a little bit different, isn't it? I think so. I mean, perhaps you could see it as, you know, quite reductionist, but in my view, it's just a a very logical way of of looking at things, you know, and and there's, there's, it's it's so clear how important our, our brains are to to interpreting everything. There is there is nothing without um, without the the machinery inside our heads uh, decoding it all. Um, and and where before it took you know Immanuel Kant exercising his skills of pure reason to try and work out what space was and how how space and time existed. Now we have electrophysiology and people like Professor John O'Keefe finding place cells in the hippocampus, which create a sort of cognitive map. So it's 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 just a sort of different approach, I suppose, to uh, to, to modern philosophy. <laughs> Are you going to be one of those scientists? Do you think who who sees philosophy as having been superseded in due course by science? Gosh, I think that, that's a very loaded. Um, question <laughs> well you mentioned once Kant now this you know it's, yes, there's an yes. implication there almost that that's the days of Kant are over and now we know something more 
I mean, in my view, presently, and and of course, it will obviously change the more I uh, the more I I do of it. To me, it seems the natural, logical um, progression. Yes, I I think it's it's when you have the means to actually delve into the sort of soup of of cells that we know beyond reasonable doubt is what gives birth to thought and reason and vision and so forth why you wouldn't try and take a scientific approach to to understanding that yeah it's, it's beyond me what would you say to someone who said well by understanding the human brain and mind as you've set out to do um you might uh find out something about how human beings perceive the universe but you won't find out um really about reality you know the 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 idea that somehow there's you'll only be looking at some interpretations of reality rather than reality itself i mean this question comes up all the time for people who not just scientists but people who make human beings the measure of other things too like the measure of morals and the measure of uh, meaning and uh, and so on there's the accusation that can come at you um well that's not really all there is you know there's there's another reality independent of our perceptions that you're at risk of of not understanding or of ignoring no totally and and there is a, a fundamental conflict of interest in in uh, humans studying the human brain in that that we're, we're stuck in it <laughs> you can't right. you can't get out of it you can't really look at it you know in inverted commas objectively um, because you're studying it using it, which is a bizarre kind of paradox, which I find quite neat. But but that being said, just as humanism is about sort of reason and rational thinking, it's 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 a rational approach to not only absolutely look at you know the physics of how the universe exists and what matter is and what time is and so forth, but but you must account for and control for. Uh, the way that we uh, we interpret that in the first place, um, and and I think the interplay between the two reveals things about both. Where do you think this um, desire of yours comes from to understand? It's it's uh, it seems to have been something that's always been um, instilled in me. I, I grew up in a sort of um, in a in a non religious household. Um, and uh, and I have always been uh, interested in in truth and and logic and finding things out. My mother told me an anecdote, which obviously I don't remember, but uh, apparently, as a, a sort of four or five year old, I'd been dragged to church at Easter, and you know the kids were up on 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 stage uh, doing some kind of Easter Easter story with the with the vicar. And it came to the point where Jesus rose from the dead, and apparently I piped up on stage and asked the vicar how in front of the in front of the whole congregation. How on earth did he do that? So uh, thinking of that, I think probably I've always had a sort of curiosity about um, about understanding things uh, and 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 trying to make sense of things. It's 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 never never satisfied me just to be given one answer. I'm always then looking up the reason behind that or where that's derived from or the, the logic behind it i suppose i've taken that for granted really but it's it to me it's the only way to live one's life it's uh, it's so fundamental to to kind of you know living in the world to, to understand it 
it is the sort of thing that people take for granted if they've had it, especially in their in their childhood. But I mean, some people don't have it encouraged. Do you, were your parents particularly interested in nurturing this tendency? Uh, yes, definitely. And then and sort of always um, just in yeah, in, encouraging in, inquisitiveness. Um, and and I I went to a, a school where again I had some fabulous teachers. I, I recall um, who you know I had a had a wonderful RE teacher actually, um, who who would uh, run a weekly philosophy club that we all used to to go to. Although interestingly, he did also put on my report card once that my vehement atheism was uh, distracting me from uh, uh, the mer- understanding the merits of religious viewpoints. So, oh, that's a a strange charge, isn't it? You know, I wonder I know. if you'd have said the same to a very religious child. Uh, I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. um, but but yes, I, you know, I was I was lucky in that I I. Um, had parents who encouraged, you know, rational thinking. I had peers who encouraged it, and uh, and and so, you know, naturally, I it, yeah, I, I kind of gravitated towards things that that were about reason. Were they scientists, your parents? No, not not at all. My um my mum um studied linguistics, and my uh, my dad, uh, which I suppose maybe I'm being very rude there. I suppose. It's <laughs> Uh, there's a lot there is lots of science involvement yes um and my dad is an art an artist an art teacher and then my stepfather is a print from, runs a printing company so right. so all sorts of different but they were science friendly obviously definitely and did you always think when you contemplated your future education that science or neuroscience was uh, the field for you or were there any others you considered i, I for a long long period of time had a profound interest in in physics and I thought that was what I wanted to do for a long while I sort of you know toyed between that and the 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 neuroscience um and and also maths was a a a real um interest of mine and and still remains one um and indeed was what I initially went to to go and study at university before I had to stop for my other work commitments um but I after I'd finished my, this is this long television program I'd been a part of. Um, I kind of sat and took stock and thought, right, what is it I really want to look at? And it was it was neuroscience that had remained an interest of mine all throughout that, and and so that's what I I went to do. Hi, this is Andrew, appearing halfway through the podcast to remind you that this is a podcast from Humanist UK, the national charity working on behalf of non-religious people to advance free thinking and promote a tolerant society. If you'd like to support the podcast or find out more about the humanist approach to life, Humanist UK or the work that we do, you can find out more at the Humanist UK website, humanists.uk. And if you like what you see, please consider giving us your support or joining as a member. Let's uh, talk a little bit then about the other uh, the other career that you've had, and I suppose it is a career, a long running career, although it uh, happened to you while you were um, before you were an adult um, who could have an adult career, um, which was obviously um, being an actor for in, in a very long running, uh, very famous uh, television series. 
I should think that that might be, I mean, it might be too early for you to say. Um, it might be something you look back on later in your life and think about the effect it had on you and what, uh, uh, what it did. But it must have shaped you in very significant ways because it's, you were doing that for longer than many people do a lot of things in their lives, maybe anything uh, in their life. Tell me a little bit about it, not from the point of view of the experience itself, but what you think it, how you think it shaped you. How did you first get into it is, is the question. I mean, I, I don't even know that. How did you first uh, get into it, presumably some sort of auditions? Yes, well, it, it was more or less unintentional. Um, I just, as as an inquisitive kid, I'd always enjoyed make believe games and and all that kind of stuff, and you know, playing around and and blah blah blah. Uh, the the show back then was pretty much unknown pilot episode uh, that uh, was sort of doing an open casting call for anybody to to come and have a have a shot at it. And at my local drama group that I attended at the weekends, got wind of it. A very, very lucky coincidence. Uh, you know, I looked the right way. You know, I listened clearly to the direction and, and they, uh, <laughs> they went, right, we can, we can work with him. And, and yes, and so began what I had no idea at the time would be the, the most sort of extraordinary 10 years, you know, perfectly coinciding with my own uh, adolescence and, and growing up. And and so obviously it has shaped me profoundly. Almost every um, mm. key you know event one goes through uh, in their youth uh, has in some way been connected. In my case, to to this this program. But at the One beginning, the, you went into it just having fun. Is that why you were acting? Ab- you were just ab- just having fun. Absolutely, and and my parents were also very keen to emphasise that aspect of it. It was never ever about. Um, needing to be an actor or really wanted to be an actor or, or you know I, I, I it's no surprise I didn't have any sort of grand designs when I was 10 years old thinking I oh, right, <laughs> must must get into do you not want to be um, anything I vividly remember wanting to be an ice cream man at the age of 10 uh, do you know I, it's quite hard and I, and I sense my vision uh, my um, judgment is, is probably clouded but I seem to recall thinking I wanted to be an actor but I I, I, I feel like almost everybody goes through a little phase where they go you know, I'd, I'd like to be an actor. And it just so happened that a couple of months <laughs> later, I did. Um, yes. So you did and you started and it went on and on, obviously, um, for a good long time. Like you say, the years that formed you all took place during this experience. Is it too early to reflect on it? Or do you already have some interim conclusions about how all of that affected um, your outlook on things? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the key things is that I was exposed to just a vast array of different things at such a young age. Um, I, I mean, it really was a pretty special introduction to the world. I feel deeply, deeply spoiled to have been able to do all the things I've 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 been lucky enough to do um, at, at that age. Uh, so you know, the the travelling and 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 um, having to you know talk in interviews as an 11 or a 12 year old having to work as, as, a, as, a, as a child on an adult set um, I don't mean just in terms of the content of the show I, I mean in terms of the fact that I had to be there on time and all these things that are obvious but but to a, a, a child is is a pretty yeah pretty abrupt uh, introduction um, to to the uh, to the world and uh and I, I think that that has has given me a great, you know, it, 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 in many ways, I feel like I've lived 
many more years than I have because I've, I've uh, over over such a short period of time, um, array of experiences. What would you say has primarily shaped you out of all of that? Was it was it what what you had to do, sort of the way your life was structured, or was it the connections with other people, sort of the people that you met and the the diversity of of of, of individuals that you encountered at, at an age when most people see just the same people every day, you know, at, at, at school, and it never changes, and they're all the same age as them. Perhaps the main thing is it just gave me a, a, a very good toolkit for interacting with uh, with people um, and interacting with adults mm-hmm. and being able to approach adults and have adult conversations when I when you know usually you'd be sat at school talking about football trading cards or whatever. Um, it, it forces you to to be quite mature from quite a, quite a young age and to be mm-hmm. acutely aware of things and and also. I mean, it's quite interesting because in my time doing it, I, you know, more or less witnessed the birth of uh, and the kind of proliferation of, of social media and and how important that suddenly became to the industry. And that's that's something that you you know learning about these responsibilities uh, and and how uh, how quickly all this information could be disseminated on the internet you know anything you say or anything you anytime you misspeak how rapidly that 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 spreads around um it, it forces you to be quite you know not necessarily closed but but to be aware of 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 your uh, your own public uh, public appearance do you think that's a general feature of, of of living in a social media age public public facing people closing down a little bit in public I think so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, although at the same time, you see plenty of other people who do the total, total opposite, and, opposite. and expose absolutely everything. I mean, it, I find the whole thing quite acutely troubling at times. I, I there was a really good um, quote the uh, the other day I read in the lunch with the FT column, which was with um, the founder of Bellingcat, which is the uh, open source investigations website. And he he was talking uh, Elliot Higgins, and he was talking about whether he would give his children a smartphone, and he said, "I think you might as well give them a crack pipe because it's going to mess them up just as much." And I, and I thought that was a very um, uh, potent way of, of putting it. Um, and uh, but uh, but totally true. I mean, the, the bizarre thing with it is is that like any kind of era defining moment, like splitting the atom or, or whatever there are inevitably massive benefits from it and you know huge applications to it and then people who use it for for the most dreadful and stupid things i mean in the one sense you know the, the internet was created by scientists in the very first place by by tim berners lee and others to 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 share information to share data i mean a great noble concept of uh, of of sharing information around the world but at the same time, that now means that some of the very stupidest and malicious people can pass information on, on you know, in the blink of an eye. Uh, and, and so you have this weird dichotomy of, of it. I suppose that the, the thing about that is that, like you say, it's, it's the medium that's new rather than the dynamic. Exactly. <laughs> so there have always been people who want to exchange information in a grand enterprise of getting closer to truth and understanding and then people who want to share drivel because they don't know what they're doing or want to share poison because they're cruel it's just a new form isn't it i suppose but it's a very graphic and vivid and 
I suppose it reaches further than ever before, I guess. Absolutely. And I, where before you were actually physically limited in terms of passing information on and passing ideas on, if you had some, it might be a brilliant idea or a crackpot idea, you, you, were, you, you couldn't run out and tell 4,000 people. You know, you might be able to walk down the road and tell a few or, or write a letter in the post or, or, or whatever. Um, but, but it meant that you had to spend more time reflecting on your own ideas before you could really actively spread them around. You were forced to sit and think and, and consider things where now the second you come up with an idea, it's, uh, it, you can spread it out. You can, you know, without having to think twice about it, it's, uh, it's all across the globe and and i uh, and and everything is just so much more reactionary and and uh, less well thought through perhaps as as i think the past 4 or 5 years have been, been a testament to in the usa were you ever a victim of of social media in your uh, as you were growing up and in this program or were you actually okay in the end from all of that i, I mean for me, more or less, it was okay. I, the, the girls in the program are a billion times worse. The worst, I, I, although I can remember quite vividly, there was one particular season um, and my character, for whatever reason, wasn't pleasing um, the audience. And I, I suddenly ended up with a barrage of messages telling me how ugly I was. Um, and I, what on earth happened to his nose? And of course, I was growing oh. up at the time and... and, and <laughs> Uh, but you, you you have to you know it's a, it's a, you have to just have a thick skin when you you deal with all that that's that is nowadays part of the job of, of being an actor is that your reaction to it obviously there's a personal reaction of growing a thicker skin does it change though how you uh how you yourself behave to others i mean absolutely i it's it still is completely beyond me how people can sit there behind a computer and think it's acceptable to 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 you know, give out all this vitriol to, to total strangers. Even if I had never had the whole experience of being on the show and having social media and, you know, being in the public eye, there's no way on earth I can ever imagine myself finding it reasonable to, to, to use anonymity um, as, a, as a, an excuse to, to abuse people. Um, but I, again, I suppose it comes back to the fact that, you know, these aren't, these aren't new things. It's just a, a, a new, a new way of of doing it. A little while ago, you said something that was interesting, which was uh, when you were talking about having fun at your drama club. Um, you related it to um, science and the joy of finding things out. And you said, you know, of course, as I was a curious child, I also had great fun with make believe, and that's actually quite provocative. As a yes, as a I suggestion. suppose it is actually. You know, the the idea that um, there's a sort of connection between. Um, uh, the, the tendency of wanting to be curious and find out the truth and the tendency to want to be inventive and make believe did, did you mean that true, well, true okay yes you've you've picked, picked up on that um well I, I suppose what i what i i, I mean by it is the fact that th- they're not entirely dissimilar certainly in a in a in a, uh in the brain of a child you know you, you think about it, it's about stimulation and and you know keeping one's mind active and 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 of course that that can take different forms um but i i i know I, I, I would stand by that that they are you you know, linked and there's there's i mean obviously there's an incredible amount of inventiveness that's required in in being a, a scientist and 
you know thinking original thoughts but yes in, in yes i hadn't i hadn't picked up on that <laughs> well i suppose i i i think what i took you to be saying or implying was that there was um that what what connected those two was sort of creativity and imagination and that, that both those things were deployed in in acting as in as in science yeah, and i suppose that's right yeah. isn't it because scientists uh, uh, have to be creative as well as curious and imaginative as well as factual yes well it's no good just being a robot you know i mean we could get a robot to do the, the science if that's yeah, really the right. case the reason we still have humans doing it is because we need the yeah the creativity and the originality and the, the, the thoughtfulness was there ever a revelation in your sort of I, I don't know actually i mean maybe you could say how 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 your formal education on on unrolled i mean were you in school more often than not or were you working when you when you should have been in school but um at the same time as answering that um well actually as a factual matter what did you have a a, a full sort of schooling or presumably not you had some time on set where you weren't it, in school it, yeah it was it was pretty interrupted but again you know my, my parents were very very good at making sure I didn't lose sight of that um and I didn't, didn't lose sight of school and education and they were they were really very um formative in in ensuring that that was still a major part of my my life um because at that age, especially, I mean, I, I can't think of anything sillier than to just abandon one thing at that age and 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 do another. That that's the perfect time to be trying out everything you possibly can and 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 um, experiencing everything you possibly can. And and I find that the idea of just leaving school and and acting not necessarily a particularly wise one. But yeah, the majority of uh, the majority of my schooling was at was still at school. Um, I but 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 it, it meant therefore that I had to be very um, organised and uh, and and make sure I kept up with things when I was away. And in your education, as your education unrolled and you um, you became interested in wider fields and then presumably narrower fields in order to take you direct, directly into science, was there ever a, a, a particular concept or idea or a moment that was the sort of the wow factor that that took you into the field you decided to go into gosh I think uh, there, there isn't for everyone I mean for me I remember when deciding to become an ancient historian at university it was the and I could trace that back to the moment when I suddenly realized that there was just this incredible story you know this incredible long story that was longer than i boom you know my mind just was bigger than i could ever ever have imagined going back all this all this time and i think some people do sometimes have a moment uh, when they they thought gosh yes that's that's it that's what i want to understand I, I i can actually think of a moment when i had started studying it when it really because i can remember when i when i went to go and study it, i didn't necessarily think right this is you know this is me now i, I was kind of just doing it because i'd, I'd come off this you know massive thing and uh I, I wanted to try something that i had always been interested in it wasn't it wasn't you know I, I hadn't necessarily been bitten by the bug as it were then but i can remember in my first year studying all about we did some really interesting modules in the actual physical systems that that transduce light and sound and form this this perception that we could completely take for granted and and I found actually studying the intricacies of you know perfectly boring little molecules that that play a very tiny tiny part in a huge cascade of reactions that then lead to this you know it, almost intangible feeling 
of of perception and consciousness. I I, I remember finding that it, it, it kind of dismantled reality for me almost. Um, it it was it was a real moment of going, oh my goodness, this is. I, I felt like I'd stumbled upon something um, that very few are able to. I felt like I'd been let into some kind of secret yeah, society. That's the, good, that's the feeling. That's the feeling. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and going, oh, oh my, this is this is really how this all works. Um, and then from that moment, I thought, well, how it really was a moment that's like, how on earth could I ever not look at the world like this now? Well, those sort of mind-altering moments are hopefully the ones that, that come recur throughout a formal education anyway and if you do become a, a professional scientist if that's what you decide you want to do hopefully that i suppose that's what you're always chasing uh, yeah absolutely those, those sorts of moments inquiry and truth the joy of finding things out question after question and creativity and imagination essential for science and make believe alike isaac hempstead wright thank you for telling us what you believe thank you very much that was isaac hempstead wright telling us about his life and his outlook on the world as a humanist for the what i believe podcast what I Believe is a weekly podcast from Humanist UK, and this was the sixth episode of the third season. We'll be releasing new episodes every Thursday. If you'd like to support the podcast, find out more about humanism, Humanist UK, or the work that we do, you can find out more at the Humanist UK website, humanists.uk. And if you like what you see, please consider joining as a supporter or a member. You can also, to find out more about humanism, purchase the Sunday Times best-selling The Little Book of Humanism, available now at all good bookshops. <laughs>